0: Sign up in the back at the resources table for uh, bringing desserts. Desserts? Desserts. Anyway, just check out the table. I'm not exactly sure. And invitations on that back table, too. So, ladies, make sure you stop by the resources table, check out the invitations, sign up for whatever's there. Well, I'm glad you're all here. Uh, I'd like to begin again with a, with a word of prayer. So, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for being here. We we do thank you for your presence here, Lord. And, Lord, we look forward to hearing from you as we open your word, and as we look at um, giving hope and what that's all about. Lord, we pray that you'd help this to um, get through into our hearts. Lord, help it to um, set direction for our lives. Um, we know, Lord, that there's a lot going on in everyone's life here. Everyone's coming out of a really rough week, I'm sure. And so, Lord, I pray that as as we have set this time aside Lord I pray that you'd speak to us in a, in a very real way and it's in Jesus name I pray amen well it's it's the christmas season we uh we have tried to shift gears as a church and uh we're starting a new message series called give hope but it is truly the christmas season and sometimes it's tough to get into this season it seems like commercially you know businesses they really shift gears right after halloween it seems like it's kind of crazy. Halloween's over, and then boom, Christmas. You know, you walk to the mall, you walk around, it's like, man, we miss. where's the Thanksgiving things, you know? They just blow right past that, start selling us Christmas gifts and stuff. And But uh, I had been delaying. I'm usually slow when it comes to getting into this Christmas season. Uh, my block is one of those blocks that pretty much Thanksgiving evening, it seems like, or the next morning, everyone, or at least 70% of the people, seem to be decorated already. And so we've got some really nice decorations on our street. And, you know, even this guy down the middle of the street has this, you know, the moving deers. And, and then he's got continuous music playing, uh, just Christmas songs, you know. So it kind of gets you in the mood until it's late at night. And you're like, all right, shut the music off. But but uh, So I, I'm not there yet. I'm still kind of, I'm not being a Scrooge, but I have painted my door red. And so um, that was a project I'd been planning. It wasn't just something I decided to do for Christmas. but Painting my door red, my shutters are green, so I'm just going to keep it that way for a few days because that's goes with goes with the theme. And uh, but anyway, it is Christmas, so Merry Christmas! And uh, I'm really glad you've joined us. This series is really something that we're doing to uh, challenge us to consider kind of working against the trend of this season and just making this just about giving to our you know getting stuff ourselves or just getting giving stuff to our families, but we're really also thinking about how can we combat our desire for just getting more and more and think a little broader about the people around us and what we could do to, um, to be a blessing to people around us. How can we give more to the people around us? How can we give hope to people who are up close in our lives, like friends, family? How can we give hope to those who are nearby and then th- those around the world? Um, you're going to be hearing a little bit more about our Give Hope offering Bruce is going to explain a little further later, so I'll let, I'll let him do that. But I'm excited just about this season and what it represents for us as those who follow Christ and also for those who are exploring Christ. This gives us a, an opportunity to really just kind of look at the season and talk about the significance of, of why Christ came, why he was born at the season. and so. Um, but I suspect people around us really are longing to have hope. Um, I think people in this who are up close, people that are around you, um, they're, they're really looking for hope this season. Some people want hope in the form of a fresh start. Some people want hope in the form of uh, another shot in their relationships. Um, think about it. What do you think the people in your, in your life currently need hope for? What do you think hope represents to the people that are in your life, your family, your friends? And then think about the people in the city. You hear a lot, you read a lot in the papers about just what's going on in our economy and still just the job um, situation, the crisis that we're in, and all of this stuff. you know, There's a lot of people who really are, are void of hope in this season. And So we're, we're wanting this time for us as a church to also involve thinking about the people in our lives, but also people in the city who probably are void of hope right now. And we can play a part in, in giving some hope back to them for this Christmas season. Also, we're looking at around the world. Like, what can we do to give hope to people around the world? Um, some people around the world, you know, they, they don't really, you know, have their next meal figured out. They don't have the water situation figured out. They don't, they don't have resources that we have. They, you know, some families don't have the means to supply for, you know, for themselves. And so, as a church, again, this entire series really is built around What what do people need in our lives or here locally or even internationally? And then how can we play a part in meeting some of those needs? Um, If you'd like to, you can follow along. There's a listening guide. I want to talk about this idea of hope. At the top you see this. There's a definition of hope from the Bible. Um, In the dictionary you'll find a little bit different different definition. But in the Bible the words, um, this is what they mean. Favorable and confident expectation. That's what it means to have hope. It has to do with the unseen. The things we can't see and the, and things that are in the future. There's this verse from Romans chapter 8, verse 24-25. through 25, and This is really tied to the hope of those who follow Christ. It says this, For in this hope we were saved. It's talking about our redemption through Christ. That God, is, He had promised to redeem His people and, and it is through His Son, Jesus Christ, that He's given us an opportunity to find real hope. And that hope is a future hope, partially because... Even for those of us who know Christ and follow him, there's still some things we're looking forward to in the future. Um, we're looking forward to be set free from, from this body that we live in, from the, the struggles that we face, from sin, from just things that hold us back in life. And so this verse is really talking about the future promises of those who follow Christ. It goes on, and says, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait patiently We wait for it patiently. So for those of us who know Christ personally as Lord, we actually look forward to our future with Him. We have a very, very real hope. But it's something we're it's it's somewhat realized right now, but it's not fully realized for those of us who follow Christ. We we're looking forward in anticipation for God to to, to wrap up time in history and to do some things in our lives. Um, but hope for the Christian is tied to the promises that God has made in the scripture. It's tied to his promises. Most of them are wrapped up in the work that Jesus did on the cross. I call that a work because it was something that God had planned out. Before any of us were made. Before the, even before anything was created the world. God had already planned out. How he was going to redeem humanity. Who would decide to rebel. All of us decided to go our own way in life. And so God worked out a plan. And in the, in the right time. He sent his son Jesus to earth. To fulfill the plan. But our hope is tied to all of those events. And in Scripture, usually when you find the word hope, it's not a standalone word. I mean, it shows up here and there, just the word hope, but most of the time it's tied to some idea, like the hope of the resurrection. Uh, For those of us who follow Christ, that's namely the hope of the resurrection. It has to do with how Jesus was risen from the dead and he, he set the pace or he was the front runner for those of us who would be raised from the dead as well. We would not, things would not just end in this life, but that we would have. Um, after we die, we'd have eternal life. But there's this hope for the resurrection. In the Bible, you find the phrase hope of righteousness, which is the idea that we hope that God will conform our lives into what's important to Him. There's also this hope of the gospel. You see the hope of the glory of God, which talks about the return of Christ. You find the phrase the hope of salvation or the hope of eternal life, which the hope of eternal life, this is something that for those of you who've already followed Christ, this has already begun for you. You already have the hope of eternal life, but it's not fully realized yet because we're still here on earth. But there will become a point when you'll step into eternity with God, and you will realize fully this manifestation of God's presence. And and you won't. It won't stop. It will be, and and uh, this is going to be uh, something that none of us can really get our minds around. We're going to look a little bit about that as we press on. But hope for the Christian. Just to sum that all up. It's tied to Jesus Christ. It's tied to Him and what He's done. Look at Hebrews 6.19. It says this, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. An anchor holds us steady, right? It holds a boat steady through storms. And so our, our anchor, our hope is in Christ. We, he steadies our life through the storms of life, through things that come up, through turmoil, through problems. He's the one that keeps us from drifting off in life. And sometimes it's really easy to just lose sight of how our hope is tied to Christ. And so Paul, what he does often is he reminds us not to lose sight of where we've come from. It's easy to just forget about our hope if we forget about what we have been saved from or, or the time when we had no hope. And so Paul often would write to the churches and say, look, you need to think back to where you were before Christ. And that's this passage in Ephesians. It's up on the screen. It's not in your outline. But he's reminding them they were once without hope as, as a people. And this is something that really applies to us still. Remember, it says, that at the time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise. What he's saying is there was this outer, there was this circle of relationship with God. You're either in this relationship with God or you're outside the circle. You're outside the relationship with God. He says there was a point in which you were outside. You were citizens. You were not citizens of... Of Israel, you were you were foreigners to this promised life. You were you were in this outer circle. And it goes on. He says, You were without hope. You were without God in the world. This is important to remember. For those of us who follow Christ, there was a point in which this would describe our lives. There was a point in which we were without hope and we were without God, living in this world that God had created. Verse thirteen says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were longer I'm sorry, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. So what happens is God, through Jesus Christ, He gave us an opportunity to break through that circle and to to be in this inner circle with Him. The circle of a real relationship with Him. We're no longer on the outside. We're no longer separate. For those of us who know Christ, we're, we're now on the inside. We can be friends of God Himself and have a relationship with Him. And the Bible has a very clear message about the path that brings hope to people how do you get from the outer circle to the inner circle this is a question i think that would come to our minds the bible is very clear about that path john fourteen six, it says this jesus answered when when people were leaving or when jesus was was about to leave earth and he said i'm going to go and prepare a place he was going to heaven he said i'm going to go and prepare a place for you i'm going to come back but i'm going to go and prepare this place for you one of the guys says, well, how do we know where you're going? How do we know how to get there? Can you give us the road map? And Jesus answered and he says this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's saying no one gets to heaven. No one gets into that inner circle, into that inner relationship, into that, into that promise that God has for us, except going through Jesus Christ. He is the path. He is the only way that mankind can be redeemed. From this outer circle. That, outer, that circle represents separated from God. You know, If you're in the outer circle, you're separated from God's promises. You're not a citizen. You're not receiving the benefits of being part of His kingdom. And the Bible is very, very clear about this point. That hope is only found in Jesus Christ. And if that's the case, why are we so hesitant and slow to share our faith? Because there's a lot of people that live their lives outside the circle and all of us regardless of where you're at at this point in your life all of us were outside the circle at one point you never you no one here has been born into the inner circle of a relationship with christ everyone who's born finds themselves cut off from a relationship with god because we all decide to go our own way in life as soon as we're you know a couple years old we start choosing to go after what we want in life you see it in and little babies who grab after what they want. And then they learn the word mine. And then they learn the word no. And then we get a little older and we just start finding more mature and adult ways of saying mine and no. And we set off on a course and we choose to live life independent from God. And what that does, it may seem harmless, but what that does is it keeps us cut off from a relationship with Him. We find ourselves on this in this outer circle. And then this it's interesting, if this is... The scripture, you know, the scripture is very clear about this point. And since that's the case, you would think, man, we, we would be more mindful about, we need to help people figure out how to get from outside this circle into a relationship with Christ, if Christ Jesus is truly the only way. But there's some reasons why I think people don't share their faith. And here, here's just three. One is we don't want to be pushy or disliked. You know, some people are okay with being pushy and disliked. Um, most of us don't like that. Most of us would prefer to have some people who like us, and we don't want to shove things down people's throats. We don't want to be the guy on the megaphone, you know, shouting at people as they're walking down the street. We, We think that, you know... So a lot of people don't share their faith because of this. We just don't want to stand out. We don't want to be pushy. Another thing is, many people don't feel like they know enough. Maybe that's you. Maybe you feel like, you know, I don't know enough to share my faith. I want to help people find a relationship with Christ, and, and move from this outer circle to this inner relationship with, with Jesus. But I don't think I know enough information. I hear that a lot. I hear that a lot from people. They think, you know, the Bible's too big. I don't know enough about it. I don't know where to start. I don't know what I'd say. So I want to I look at that. Because you do have something that nobody can discredit. It's the work that God has already done in your life. It's the story that you have about what, where God has taken your life as you've yielded to Him. Another reason, though, why I'm convinced many Christians don't share their faith is they don't really believe in hell. And as a pastor, more and more, I'm often confronted by death. Uh, What I've noticed is that when it comes to death and when it comes to eternity, it's human nature to hope for the best and avoid contemplating the worst. You know, we just kind of avoid thinking about what really could be happening or where a person really might be. And when you die, you go to one of two places. The Scripture says you go to heaven or you go to hell. And that outer relationship, that outer circle determines. If you you come to a point where you step into a relationship with Christ, you become a Christian, then you receive the promises of God here and and into eternity. If you never commit your life to Christ while you're on earth, um, you you remain in this outer circle. The Scripture says that... um, You walk into, or you you head into an eternity of separation in a place called hell. And I think it's human nature, though, to just avoid thinking about that and putting that off as long as possible. I'm just going to hope for the best about my friends, about my family. And research actually shows that while three out of four people believe in heaven, only half of the people who live um, believe in hell. But the problem is, if hell doesn't exist, um, then people could just reject Christ without any fear of penalty. For their sins and for living separated from God. There's no fear. If you take hell out of the picture, there's no fear of what might happen to me if I die without Christ. But God, according to the Scriptures, God has created both a heaven and and a hell. And He told us to take this reality to heart because it's something we can't just escape. We can't escape what's real. Hell is a very real place of unspeakable suffering. Find that in your outline. And this is really what Scripture says. It's a place of just unspeakable, unimaginable suffering. Look at what Jesus says about hell. He says, if your right eye, he's talking about the struggle with lust. He says, if you're struggling with lust, if your right eye causes you to sin, to lust after someone, then gouge it out and throw it away. And can you imagine the visual, the image here? If you're having a hard time with what you're looking at, just pluck that thing out. Gouge that thing out. Because, he says, it's better for you to lose just one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Can you imagine gouging out your eye? According to Jesus, as horrible as it would be to dig out your own eye, you would be far better off than being punished for our own personal rebellion in hell. Revelation fourteen chapter, or chapter 14 gets at, this description of hell. Speaking of those who who really commit themselves to not follow God, this is what happens in hell. He too, it says, speaking of those who rebel against God and choose to follow the enemy, He too will drink of the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of God's wrath. He will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment rises forever and ever. There is no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and his image, or for anyone who receives the mark of his name. The Bible, it gives this imagery of this place where there's unspeakable suffering. It calls hell a fiery furnace, a place of burning sulfur. It's this outer darkness where there is weeping. Scripture says there's gnashing of teeth. People often joke about hell because they don't understand what God has said about hell. And so it's easy to joke about it. And, and I've heard um, people say things like, well, at least if I'm going to hell, at least I'll be there to party with all my buds, you know. And um, But that couldn't be farther from the truth of Scripture because in hell, there will be complete separation from God for all eternity. My family was watching the Christmas Carol last night. You know, the story of Scrooge, Ebenezer Scrooge. And he's taken, and this little spirit guides him, or these three spirits guide him around to see his life. And he's he's on a crash, or a You know what I'm trying to say. He's on the wrong path, choosing to live for himself. And the Spirit shows him what he's done in the past, and what he's doing now, and what's going to happen in the future if he continues down this path. And as the story goes, after he sees these three visions, he wakes up and he realizes there's still time to change. There's still time for me. There's still time for me to change the direction of my life. But in hell, for those who die, see, this life is the only time we're given to make decisions that will impact eternity. And in hell there will be complete separation from God and from people. It's like eternal punishment in solitary confinement. Imagine the physical pain of end, endless suffering. And you can't cut it off. And the emotional void of, of hurting with no one to comfort you. And the knowledge that you'll suffer with no relief coming ever. That's the description that God gives us in the Bible about what, what hell is. No one wants to go to hell, but it's interesting. Not a lot of people really want to go to heaven either right now. I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to go yet. Sometimes you think about this. I'll be honest. You know, sometimes you're like, I got a lot of things I want to do in, in, in my life, some things I've yet to accomplish, some things I've yet to experience. I want to see these things happen. I want to go to heaven, but I want to go to heaven someday. And so we don't really fully understand sometimes what the scripture says about either of these places, hell or heaven psalmist said this in Psalm 84.10 about heaven, about being in God's presence. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Pick your top ten moments in your life. Think about those highlights in your life. And yet, one day with God, according to Scripture, is better than a lifetime of your favorite moments. We really can't get our minds around what heaven is all about, what we're going to get to experience there, but heaven has no sin, no sickness, no death, no mourning, no pain. That's all found in Revelation. But it's something that's unimaginable for us. And if we'll fully wrap our minds around it, it it's something that Christ wants us, to, he wants us to long for. But again, intellectually, many of us believe in heaven and in hell, but practically the way we live our lives daily, it doesn't reflect the urgency of our claimed beliefs. If eternity were at the front of my mind, then I'd pray a lot more for people who, who are outside the circle right now and who have decided not to follow Christ. And instead of accumulating more and more stuff, I'd use everything that I have to spread the gospel to people up close and around the world. I, I would do all that I could. If I really understood the, what's at stake, I would, I would pour my time, my energy, my resources into helping people connect with God because it's that important. The challenge is this, though, and you see this in your outline. The challenge is that many believe that heaven is everyone's default destination when in fact the opposite is true. Let that sink in for a second. The challenge is that many people believe that heaven is everyone's default destination. This is where we all assume we're going when in fact the opposite is true. Scripture says this in Matthew 7. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. There's this huge gate. He says everyone is walking through this huge gate. and It leads to destruction. It's the easy road. It's the... It's the road that puts me first, but self first. Then verse 14, but small is the gate. Describing now, he says, now compare that to this small gate and narrow road that leads to life. And only a few find it. If we embrace the reality that men are traveling, that many are traveling towards eternal hell, and few are really on the road to eternal life, then I think we would speak up about it more often. We're all guilty of this. I know many times I'm like, man, why didn't I say something? I had a great opportunity there and I passed it up. I didn't say anything when I could have offered some hope to that person who was having a hard time. Who was even asking about... Well, we might think that hell is just for those who reject Christ, but the Scripture says the opposite. It isn't just about where we remain neutral in our whole lives and then we come to a point and we decide to follow Christ and then, and then that settles this issue of if I'm going to stay in the outer circle and spend an eternity in hell. It really is that we already are on a path that leads us to completely be separated from God. Look at John 3.18. It says, Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. problem is that we all have... All of us have already rebelled and chosen to go our own way in life. We're already set out on the wrong course in life, choosing to live life independent from God. And so what we what we are is we're already in judgment and we already need a Savior. And this is a sobering thought for us if we'll get our minds around it, that we already stand in judgment and we're heading to completely be cut off without any hope. And because of this, we cannot stay silent. You flip over your outline. We, we can't just... The stakes are too high. We cannot be silent about the issue. Sharing this message of hope is about two things. One, it's about obedience, because Christ has commanded us as followers to share. And then second, it's about opportunities. It's about taking the opportunities that God gives us to share with the people around us. First Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared. Anytime, he's saying, be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Now, we need to speak up. We can't be silent. The stakes are extremely high because people die. All of us, we will die. We will leave this earth and we will spend eternity in one of two places. We cannot be silent. But we need to do it in a way that's gentle and respectful, Scripture says. We need to, we need to not just treat people as projects. Because people are precious to God. So as we communicate and as we share our life with people, and we get up close to people who need to know this hope, we need to figure out, how do I do this gently? How do I do this respectfully? Because I don't want to bowl them over with what I believe. We don't want to be pushy. We don't want to be disliked. But we have this hope inside of us that that God wants us to share. Time is short. There was a man named Dawson Trotman. I have a quote here, and I, I just saw this as I was reading this week. And I just jumped out and said, man, this is just like what I'm speaking on on Sunday. And I wanted to read this. He's a man who labored tirelessly for the sake of the gospel. He made his life about helping people come to know Jesus Christ and finding hope and then raising up other people who would do that. He gave his whole adult life to this. And this is a quote from his journal. He said this. and He was very young when he quoted this. Time is short. Even God cannot bring back lost opportunities and precious hours. We read in the Word, that's the Bible, that we are to redeem the time because the days are evil and to awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. He's quoting a verse in Scripture. Then he goes back to his thoughts. Oh, if we could only get a glimpse of the wonders of heaven and life eternal and the contrasting view of a lost soul without hope, we might take this business more seriously. There is hope for men and it is our blessed privilege to tell men, of the way of escape that God has made through through the atoning death of his only begotten son. Whatever you do, don't let the thief of time rob you of the joy of leading precious souls out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see, he understood what was at stake. He understood the gravity of this issue that we are on a, we're heading in a destination without Christ to be completely separated from him. And so it's that important. I wanted to show you this video that highlights the stories of two men from our church. You probably know these men. You've probably seen them around. These are two men who've decided to follow Christ in the last one a year and a half ago. One, of, you know, maybe six to eight months ago. And they're going to share just some briefly highlights about how they committed their lives to Christ. It's going to be up on the video here, and then we're going to wrap up with a few practical applications.
1: I don't think that's it, actually. Huh. It's the other one. Before coming to OCC, I knew yes. what it like, meant to be a Christian. But when I came to OCC, I really saw what being a Christian was all about. I didn't really know anybody. I thought i thinking back now. It was really generous of them to the take to the time child. to, to get to know there. me and actually want um, me to have a... You know, a relationship with Jesus, because it's eternal salvation. It's it's everlasting life.
2: It wasn't more what anyone told me. It was more how um, everyone responded to me. Everyone I've ever talked to. My thoughts, my my view on the whole thing were, were never disrespected. You know? it, whatever issue I was having, whatever question I had, it was always like taken seriously. And the minute I walked in there, you know, I was surrounded by. It bunch of people that wanted nothing but the best for me. I'd get some advice and then like next time I'd meet someone they'd ask me how I was doing on that issue and then, uh, we just would have a bunch of conversations and you know I was able to work through issues.
1: I felt really included along the way. I mean I was getting phone calls regularly from guys I barely even knew that I didn't even know had my number you know and wanting to hang out, wanting to do stuff and and um, and it was it was a great experience because I had never had friends like that before, and, and they, I really felt like part of a family. I just need to talk to someone. She's like, well, go talk to the Berries. And we didn't know the Berries very well.
2: We just see them at yard sales in the neighborhood. You know? And we knew they were Christian. And I knocked on the door. Chris answered, invited me in. And I just started asking him a bunch of questions. I told him I was freaking out. Of course, he gave me like three verses right off the bat. Before I left, he just said, can we do something before you leave? And I was just like whatever yeah him and Tess grabbed me on both sides and they just knelt their head and started praying (laughs) I don't know I left I left
1: feeling really good and I came home and I read those verses at the Discovering Faith dinner I met and talked to DJ and he invited me to come rock climbing and that was something I was really interested in and over the course of a couple months um I grew you know and I started coming around and started serving and uh and then one night he uh, called me and we were talking on the phone and he asked me if I was you know, ready to, to commit my life, and I was.
2: And then just going to church for the first time, you know, it's like, I, I remember when I became a Christian, man. I remember walking in and everyone came up to me and uh, was shaking my hand, congratulating me, was real genuinely excited and happy. And uh, I don't know, that just, that means a lot, you know, you just feel very welcomed. And, uh, I mean, a lot of people I didn't even know haven't even met yet. Were, were smiling at me and, and coming up and uh, introducing themselves and just just real genuinely
1: excited. You know? them spending this time and getting to know me and and investing, um, just in just opening themselves up. You know, like sharing stories about themselves and and really letting their guard down to. To develop a relationship with me, so I can develop a relationship with Christ, was a really selfless thing, and I'm just thankful for it. you have a neighbor who uh, we've been
2: we talked God a lot of her, Jesus a lot about, and one time she was over, and I just remembered, I was like, Jasmine, I get it. I was like, I understand why uh, Christians want you to become a Christian. I was trying to tell you, it's not no, no one's being pushy. <laughs> are really excited to share how great they feel with you. It's just this genuine excitement
1: that uh, people really want to share. If Christians just looked out for themselves, it, would be, it wouldn't be very many Christians, you know?
0: <clears throat> isn't, that, isn't that helpful? Isn't that encouraging? Uh, it's super encouraging. I watched that yesterday and I was just really encouraged. Because I think sometimes we think, man, nobody wants to hear about this. They have their own beliefs, and I respect that. Nobody wants to hear about it. But the truth is, God is already at work in people's lives. He's trying to draw them into a real relationship to where they cross from death to life. This is what God does. This is His business. And we might think, man, I'm trying to do something. No, it's God's, He's, this is God's business. He's working out an eternal plan. And we simply join Him. We speak up. There's three things, and real quickly I want to just... Are you, are you ready to speak up? The first thing I would encourage is just to think about, who can I invite? We, we have the privilege of inviting people to get to know Jesus. There's this Samaritan woman who meets Jesus and is overwhelmed by what he has to say. She's overwhelmed by his love, by his grace, because of the life that she's lived and how forgiving he was and how he gave her an opportunity to have a fresh start. And she just had to tell everybody she knew about this guy. And so you read this in John 4. It says, Then leaving her water jar... The woman went back to the town and she said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward Him. Even through this forgiven, even, or even though this forgiven woman hadn't, hadn't memorized any Scripture, she didn't have a script that she was working, she just came and she invited her friends to experience Jesus. And later on in the chapter, we see the results of her efforts. Look at verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Him believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Her invitation was enough for some people to cross from death to life. For many of us here, invitation played a very, very key role in our faith journey. And I have a question for you. It's kind of a group participation question. If you committed your life to Christ because someone invited you to church, to an event at church, to a small group event, to some sort of a church-related thing, would you just stand up? If, If you coming to Christ... When you came to Christ, was connected to an invitation. Would you just stand up? I think it would be helpful to see who came, got to know Christ through some sort of an invitation. Look at that. I mean, isn't that impressive to see just the, the way that you guys can be seated? But it's, it's interesting to see just how an invitation makes a difference in people's lives. That you can make an eternal difference in people's lives with an invitation to worship service, to a movie night. We do movie nights a lot to our Christmas service coming up, to a sports event with some other friends. Another way to speak up is this. Share your faith story. Share your faith story. In another story from the book of the Bible, Jesus heals a man who was born blind. He could never see his whole life. And Jesus heals him. And all the people around the town didn't understand what was happening. They were debating that maybe this didn't really happen. And they were trying to discredit Jesus' ministry for healing this man on a Sabbath. He wasn't supposed to do that. And the blind man went to people and he said, this is what he said, John nine twenty-five. He replied, whether he is a sinner, speaking of Jesus, whether he's a sinner or not, because they were trying to discredit Jesus' ministry, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. He just simply shared, man, this is what happened to me. And nobody can discredit the change that God has made in our lives and in your life. Your life is living proof that God can change us living proof. It gives hope to people. One final way to speak up is to be bold. Be bold with the truth. Acts 2, 38 through 40. Peter replied, repent. He's among a huge crowd of people and God did something supernatural among them. And somebody needed to get up and say, what just happened? So Peter gets up and he, he says, repent and be baptized. Everyone's like, what do we do? What are we supposed to do in response to all of this that we're seeing? Peter gets up and he's just bold. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Many, With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. There's a time and a place to speak boldly to people and to encourage them to turn their lives over to Jesus Christ and just say, now's the day, now's the time. You know, and those moments are things that God, through His Holy Spirit, makes very. He, he starts nudging and saying, it's time to be bold with this person. It's time to, to encourage him to, to make that decision for Christ. In just a few minutes, we're going to be receiving our offering, and I'd encourage you to take out that white card, and on the back of the white card, consider taking one of those next steps in response to this message. The first one would be this. If you're in the process of exploring Christianity, and you're here, and you've been coming around, which I know many of you are, you're you're exploring, you've not yet decided to follow Christ and become a Christian, I would encourage you to take that first step. Tonight, attend the Discovering Faith dinner. Learn more about committing your life to Christ for the very first time. This was the dinner that was the initial catalyst for one of those guys, Chris, in the white shirt on the video. That was the initial catalyst for him committing his life to Christ. It got things moving in a direction to where God began to clarify what it meant to follow him. So I'd encourage you, there's still time. If you want to sign up, just check that box or just show up tonight at 6.30. Another thing is, I'd encourage you to pray for one person. If you are a Christian and you, you have this hope to offer, pray for one person and invite them to an OCC service or an event in the next two weeks. Maybe you want to take that other step, have a spiritual conversation with someone or or write out your story and practice sharing it so that when you have opportunity and when people say, hey, this, this guy, Jesus, this isn't for real, you can share. You know what? I was blind, but now I see. You have your own story of how God has changed your life. So, let's pray as the band comes forward. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You, Lord, that You have made a way for us to escape the judgment that we all have found ourselves under. As we all have rebelled and got our own way in life, Lord, Lord, we we were heading towards an eternal life in hell and lord we thank you that you have given us a second chance through your son jesus christ lord that he offered up his life in exchange for our sinful lives lord thank you that for those of us who've experienced your forgiveness we thank you for it for those who've yet to to yield their lives to you i pray god that today or soon god that they would decide to nail this issue down for themselves it's not something that our parents can decide for us This is not something that our husbands or wives can decide for us. This is something that you want all of us to consider for our own lives and for our own eternal destination. Lord, we we thank you for the clarity that you give us in your word. Help us not to lose sight of this stuff as we go on through the season. There's people all around us, Lord, that need hope. And, Lord, we want to be a part of introducing people to your son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bruce.